chapter number 16. And this is immediately following the Ark of the Covenant coming into the city of Jerusalem. So if you've been with us, uh, we were not here last week, but in the previous weeks we've been looking at the life of David. David wanted to bring up the Ark of the Covenant um, to the city of Jerusalem, and as he successfully brought the Ark into the city of Jerusalem, and God was helping, God was blessing, the Bible says in verse number 7, Then on that day... David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Asaph would have been a Levite who was in charge of God's music, who was in charge of the music worship that took place in the tabernacle. Here's the psalm. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye seed children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance, when ye were but few, even a few, and strangers in it. And when, and when they went out from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong, yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch, my, touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Sing unto the Lord, all the earth. Show forth from day to day his salvation. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens." Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. The world also shall be stable that it, sh that it be not moved. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, and let the men say among the heathen, The Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice in all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the woods sing out at the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And say ye, Save us, O God, our salvation, and gather us together and deliver us from the heathen that we may give thanks to thy holy name and glory in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. 
That's quite a psalm, isn't it? Giving thanks to the Lord, giving praise to the Lord. And the title tonight is this, The Fruit of Being in God's Presence. The byproduct, the fruit, the result of being in the presence of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you once again, and I just pray, Lord, that you would guide my lips and tongue. I pray, Lord, that you would bless and speak through your word to us. I pray that we would be in your presence tonight. Lord, that you would change us by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Try not to hit the mic there. Okay. It's hard to believe tonight is the last Wednesday night of 2023. Well, you know, you look at it and goes, you start thinking about it. It's like, man, that feels like forever ago. But at the same time, weren't we just here couple weeks ago that we were changing from 2022 to 2023. Where did the year go? One thing that comes uh, with New Year's, and obviously over the last uh, while, it, uh, New Year's resolutions have gotten a very bad rap, right? Uh, people, New Year's resolutions have now become uh, more of a mockery than something that actually happens. But there are people every year, and there's nothing wrong with a, new, with a New Year's resolution. But the problem with a New Year's resolution is you make a resolution, uh, I'm going to read through my Bible this year. We have the new Bible reading calendars out that will take, if you follow it, you can, uh, for 2024, it'll take you the whole way through the Bible. You'll read uh, the New Testament twice, the Old Testament once, Psalms twice, the Proverbs 12 times. Uh, you'll, you'll read a lot of Bible, and it's very good. And I'm closing in on finishing it again uh, this year, 2023, and it's exciting and getting ready to do it again next year because we need the Word of God. But there's sometimes we can say, this is what I want to do this year. And we can get very excited and we can get very motivated. And I'm excited about what the Lord has done this year at Community Baptist Church. We were praying and praying. We could get the lights done. Praise the Lord. That happened. And we got that done uh, at the beginning of uh, the summer or the end of the summer, beginning of fall. And uh, praise the Lord uh, for that and looking forward. But there's other things I want to see get done. Uh, and, but sometimes we can get really excited about something and we can go for a little bit, and then our excitement wears out, right? We can get really passionate about something, and then we go for a short distance, and we go for a short time, and then we're kind of not excited about it anymore, and it kind of drops off, and we kind of forget about it, and uh, that can happen with an exercise or a diet program or um, more reading or sleeping, getting up earlier or sleeping more or whatever it happens to be. But there's spiritual things that we need to grow into. Missions conference was really exciting. But we don't want to just be excited at missions conference. We want to be excited for missions all year long. We want to fulfill the commitment that we made there. Uh, it's exciting to be at church when, the, when at, at like a community Christmas when there's uh, 50 or 60 people here, and that's exciting. But we need to be excited to be at church every time the doors are open, and we need to uh, be under the preaching of God's Word. But there are times where we get excited about the things of God, yes, and there are times where we might be dragging our feet a little bit. I don't feel like reading my Bible this morning. 
Now, we know we need to, and we know, but there's times where we can be very excited about the things of God. We're excited to sing the songs, and other times we're, I don't know if I, right? How many have been there? There's some ups. If you've been saved any length of time, there's some ups and downs, but um, what we need is a lasting zeal for God. What we need is to have our heart in our singing, and in our giving, and in our uh, church attendance, and in our witnessing, and in our Bible reading, that we're not just going through the motions, but our heart is there, and that we're, we're passionate about it, and that we stay faithful day by day. How can that happen? Okay, we're getting ready to start a new year. How can we get to the end of 2024 and say, look what God has done. I'm more excited about the things of God now than I was back in 2023. I've, I've read more Bible now that I, I've seen. I'm still passionate about the things of God. I'm still in church. I'm still doing the things that God has told me to do. How does that happen? How can we see... God help us to serve the Lord faithfully and with fervor and with passion. Can I tell you how it's going to be? It's going to be because we're in the presence of God. Okay? The psalm that David wrote here, this, that, we're, that, we, that he wrote for that special day that we're going to uh, kind of work our way through, that amount of praise, that fervor that was there. Could any, could, as we read through that text, could you tell that David was excited about something? Uh, could you tell that he wanted to praise the Lord, that his heart was in this, that he was glad, he was rejoicing, and he wanted to serve the Lord? How many picked up on just a little bit of that through the reading of the text? He's, he's excited. He, he is so thankful for what the Lord has done. That was a result of David being in the presence of God, of David knowing God more. Let's, let's get back and uh, pick up just a little bit of the context because that helps us understand what, what leads up to this place. And if you've been with us, I don't want to belabor, uh, belabor it too much, but it's sometimes that we just need a reminder, even myself, through the study, like, oh yeah, this, this, it, it's all connected. Okay, David, if we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 6, or 2 Samuel chapter 6, David had wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem, right? He, he desired the presence of God. He wanted God's presence in his kingdom. He wanted to have God at the center of it. He had a very good desire, right? He, he, he wanted the presence of God. And so David uh, determined, he called the people together and said, I think this is what we need to do. Yes, King David, that sounds like a great idea. We need to bring the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem. We need to do that. Well, how do you think we need to do that? And so they took a vote and they talked about it and they had a discussion and they said, we need to, um, it's, it's a good mile, it's a good 10 mile journey. That's, that's quite a distance. And uh, we want to get the ark up to Jerusalem as fast as we can. And uh, a cart is a great way to transport something. If it's something that's heavy and you want to do it safely, if we could put it on a cart, man, we could really roll up to Jerusalem very quickly and we could get this done in a day. We could uh, get this done in a morning. We could be there and do what needs to be done there and, David sought the counsel of the people, but he didn't seek the counsel of God. And he, he followed the Philistine influence instead of God's word. And they, they treated the Ark of the Covenant much like the pagans would treat their gods. They would load them up on carts because their gods couldn't move unless they carried them. 
They, they, they had idols that they had to pick up and carry around. Aren't you glad we don't serve a God that you have to pick up and carry around? But we serve a God who can carry us through the trials and through the dark times of this life. That we serve the living God. But David was treating the Ark of the Covenant, which was symbolic. It was not God, but it was symbolic of the presence of God. He was treating that like the other nations would treat their gods. He was going with the cultural norms. Just what was expected with moving something. That, they, they built a new cart. I mean, they, they were going top notch here, but they weren't doing it God's way. And when the uh, cart began to shake and the Ark of the Covenant was about to topple off, Uzzah reached up his hand to touch it and God killed him instantly because you weren't to touch the Ark of the Covenant. You weren't to transport it upon a cart. It was to be carried by uh, the Levites. And um, the problem was not that David did not... The problem was not that God did not want to bless David. God did. The problem was not that um, David did not that David had a wrong desire. He desired the blessings of God. He desired the presence of God. The problem was David was doing things his way instead of God's way. He was using a new cart instead of seeking direction from the old book, instead of going to the word of God. By the way, good intentions don't change wrong behavior. doesn't matter how good our intentions are. Popular approval, large crowds don't determine what's right or wrong. Our guidance must come from the Word of God. What does the Bible say? That's a question we have to ask ourselves over and over and over again with every decision. What does the Bible say? doesn't matter what everybody else says. It doesn't matter what um, the society around us are doing or what even other people who would uh, call themselves Christians are doing. Here's the question. What does the Bible say? Good intentions without biblical behavior leads to disaster. Good intentions without biblical behavior leads to disaster. Okay? Church says, we want to reach more people. Is that a good intention? Yes? Okay, right. We want to reach more people. But if we uh, lay aside the Bible and start to try to do good intentions, well, what seems to be working somewhere else? What, what, what are, how are they getting that crowd? Oh, well, they're dropping some of the standards and they're uh, not preaching all the Bible and not the hard parts. You know, they're watering it down a little bit. Can I tell you, that leads to disaster because you're no longer the church of Jesus Christ and you're not doing it God's way. And God's, God cannot bless when we're not doing it His way. We just have to stick with the Bible. Families and um Lives can be destroyed when we have good intentions without biblical direction, without biblical behavior. David messed up. He messed up big time. But aren't you glad that um, God gives us more chances? There, there, every one of us has things we could go back and say, man, I messed up there. But if you're still breathing... God still has a plan for your life and He still wants to work in your life. And uh, you can't undo the past, but God can say, from this point, we can get back to the book. We can get back to what God has said. And that's what David did. He heard that God was blessing where the ark had been staying for three months. And he said, we want the ark of the Lord. But David said, I need to see what the Bible says. 
the, the judgment of God had confronted David with the holiness of God. God is holy. And he is to be approached in a way that is different from the ways this world treats their gods. It's, it's, uh, God is to be approached in a way that is righteous, in a way that is set apart. He is to be feared. He is to be worshipped. No person in the Bible, if we read through the Bible, we uh, read about people who encountered the living God. Abraham spoke with God. Moses spoke with God and the, the presence of God came down on top of Mount Sinai so that the whole mountain shook and there was smoke and there was fire because the presence of God was on that mountain. And Moses and the elders of Israel went up and they heard the voice of God speak as it were a great trumpet just sounding louder and louder to where they, they almost couldn't even think they were covering their ears and just shaking and quaking at the voice of God. In the Bible, we don't see people come into the presence of God and walk away. Man, that was so much fun. That was, that was great. Oh, that was, that was such a good time. No, we see people coming away from the presence of God humbled. We see people coming away from the presence of God fearing God or in awe of God. That there is a respect, there is a... Um, the power of God overwhelms them because God is holy and we are not. And as David sought God, he's, he understood the holiness of God more and aware of that, therefore he submitted himself to the word of God. He said, I'm going to do what, just what the Bible says. And, and I'm going to humble myself from, before God. It's not about me being the king, it's about God being lifted up. And so David uh, followed the instructions of God and he told the people, no, the Levites need to carry the ark because that's what God said. By the way, that's faith. Faith is just doing what God has said in his word. David took off his kingly robe and was just dressed like a common priest. And uh, even though he was the king, he was saying, this isn't about me, this is about God, and I want to lift him up. And because David humbled himself and he submitted to the word of God and he submitted to the person of God, God helped them. The Bible says there that God helped the Levites as they carried. He, he, rather than judging them, his hand of blessing was there and he strengthened them and there was joy and they brought up the Ark of the Covenant with gladness, that there was joy and celebration because they were having God's help instead of God's judgment. Can I tell you this? That holiness always precedes blessing. We're not going to have the blessings of God unless we spend time seeking the holiness of God. God is not just our buddy. God is not just our, our homeboy or uh, something that we refer to flippantly. No, God is the creator of the universe. He is set apart. He is high. He is lifted up. He is set apart from us. And God is perfect. We are not. God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. If we're going to enjoy the presence of God, we've got to deal with God's holiness. We've got to grasp. That's why I reject and despise the contemporary Christian movement and the, the rock and roll for Jesus and that kind of thing because that is not holy. And that does not lift up the, the name of God in a way that exemplifies who He is. 
God, God is not, uh, we don't come to God to do what pleases us. We have to do it according to the Bible. What pleases Him is He is holy. Last time we were in, this, in our series in David, two weeks ago, we, we, I made this point specifically that what can make the difference is that when people come to the community Christmas, that they see the presence of God, that they meet with God. Not that, not that we have every instrument perfectly tuned and every song is perfectly sung. That can be wonderful, but what's going to make a difference spiritually is if people are impressed with the presence of God. Not, not preacher or not something else, but people meet with God and that God's presence is moving. That will make a change. We prayed for that. And I believe God answered those prayers. We've seen two people trust the Lord as their Savior as a result of it. And it's not because my preaching was tremendous or it's not because the, but because God's presence was here. And the Holy God met with people and, and talked with people. You know what we need in the coming years? We need the presence of God. We, we don't need uh, just more platitudes or nice do's and don'ts or some uh, good guide. No, no, no. What we need is the, the presence of God. We, we must grasp His holiness. We must submit to His Word. We must humble ourselves before Him and say, Lord, it is, it is Your way and I'm giving up my plans and my, it's, it's going to be all of You. Those who truly know the presence of God are going to be changed. Those who spend time with God are going to be changed by His presence. Moses spent time uh, uh, 40 days and nights up in the Mount Sinai there with God. And when he came down, his face shone. Literally, because of the holiness of God, his face was shining. Someone who spends time in the presence of God, it's not that your face is going to physically shine like Moses, but your countenance is. You're going to be different. Because you can't spend time in the presence of God and not be changed. In fact, that's what we see in our text. That's what we see in the psalm that David wrote here. It wasn't that the ark made it to the city of Jerusalem, um, though that was a blessing. That was exciting to David. Yes, the ark made it, and he was jumping for joy for that. He was so excited about that. But it was more than that. It was that David had spent time in the presence of God, and he had grasped a little bit more of the holy nature of God, and that had changed him and moved him to the point that he wanted to praise God. Okay? It wasn't that David was like, we need to have a big time. Let's, come on, get the instruments a little bit louder. Let's, let's get this excited. Come on. He wasn't fabricating anything. Is, is everybody with me? There's a lot of things that take place, even under the name of Christianity, that's fake, that's fabricated, that doesn't have anything to do with the presence of God, okay? You can get a rock band up on a church stage and you can get a lot of people of excited, excited and you can get a lot of noise, but that doesn't mean God is anywhere near it, okay? But when people spend time with the presence of God, God's going to do something in their heart and then something um, is going to come out of their heart that is glorifying to God. It says here in verse number 8, 
Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people, sing unto Him, sing psalms unto Him. Talk ye of all His wondrous works, glory ye in His holy name. David, throughout this uh, series of psalms here, again and again he mentions the holiness of God. Give The beauty of holiness, that when we begin to behold the glory of God, you're going to be impressed with the holiness of God. David could not but praise and thank God because he'd been in the presence of God. You, and over and over, what did he say there? Call upon his name. Make known his deeds. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Who's the emphasis here? God is. David is putting all of the emphasis on the person of God, his name, his works, his word. By the way, biblical praise takes the focus off of us and puts it on God. Okay? That's, that's why we don't do a, we're not trying to do a performance. We're not trying to do something to wow people when I'm preaching or uh, when we're singing congregational songs or when Miss Jessie and I sing a special or something, uh, something of that nature. It's not about. Let's have a good time. It's about let's point people to Jesus Christ. Let's talk about who he is. Let's talk about what he has done. David's desire was to give thanks to God, to talk about what God has done, to make known his deeds, okay? To declare, to teach, to tell people what this is what God has done. Talk about the wondrous works. The wondrous works of God is, uh, it's two English words, it's one Hebrew word, it's talking about this, that which is impossible for us to do, God did. Okay, That which is extraordinary beyond one's power was well within the power of God. The one, what we could not do, look what God did, we're going to talk about that. This praise was flowing from the heart of David. By the way, what this is teaching... He is teaching, uh, this is showing us what being in the presence of God will produce in one's life. It's going to produce biblical praise. Okay, when we spend time, if we're going to see God blessed, we need to be, we need to consider His holiness. We need to be in His presence. To have the blessings of God, we have to be in His presence. But there are fruits of being in His presence. And as we spend time in His presence, there are consequences. There are results from that. God's going to change our heart to where we cannot but want to praise God. You want to sing more passionately? Spend time in the presence of God. You want to read your Bible with understanding and with joy? Spend time in the presence of God. You want to show up to church and be excited about it? Spend time in the presence of God. Because you are going to desire to praise God. But here's what true biblical praise looks like. Verses 1, or excuse me, 11 through 22 basically deal with this. He said, um, seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face continually. Remember His marvelous works. There in verse number 12. Remember His marvelous works. Same word as wonderful works. Just uh, marvelous, wonderful, same idea there. Uh, that he hath done his wonders and his judgments. Okay? Here's where, here's where, as we begin to praise God, this is where it's going to take us. Let me tell you about what God has done. 
Okay, remembering was to call to mind, okay, to recall, to rehearse. Don't you think David could rehearse some things that God had done in his life? How about the lion and the bear when he was guarding the sheep? How about Goliath? Uh, do you think that was something that David could recall and say, look what God has done in my life. Look how God has worked in the past and God is to be praised for that. How about uh, uh, God protected me from Saul. All those years I was running around and Saul was throwing spears at me, yet God protected me from that. There's, um, being in the presence of God is going to remind us about how God has worked in the past, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others, David could have gone back to the life of Abraham. God could have, David could have gone back to the time of Noah and how Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and how God brought Moses and the people of Israel through the wilderness and met their every need and how God brought the walls of Jericho down for Joshua. Praise, being in the presence of God, is going to remind us of what God has done, of His power. Here's what else it's going to do. Uh, verse number 15, be mindful always of his covenant, okay, of his promises, of his word. Being in the presence of God is going to help us praise God because of what he's done and is going to help us praise God because of what he said, because of his word, because of his promises. It's going, to, it's going to create more presence in the, more time in the presence of God is going, to desire, is going to help us desire to know more of God's word, to understand it more, to think on it. But not only does praise in the presence of God call us to praise God for his, for his word and what he has done, look at it in verse number 23. Sing unto the Lord, all the earth, show forth from day to day His salvation. Declare His glory among the heathen, His marvelous works among all nations, for great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. You know what spending time in the presence of God is going to move us to do? It's going to create with us a desire to tell those who don't know about our God, about God. It's going to put within us a desire for what we call evangelism. It's going to put within us a desire to tell those who don't know our God, hey, you need to know about the greatness of the living God. He can save. He can deliver. He can do what your gods can't. Declare the glory of God, the goodness, the power, the splendor, the attributes of God. The gods of this world are empty, they are vain, and those who spend time with the living God can tell the difference. Okay? How many people just go through the motions and uh, they spend their whole life and they think about God every once in a while, maybe Christmas and Easter or when something bad happens and they, they go to their church every once in a while and, oh yes, I believe in God, but there's, there's no reality there. And because everyone around them doesn't know the living God, they, don't, they think that's just how it has to be. But those who know the living God and are walking with God and have seen God do wonders in their life can look at that and say, no, 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 no. You need to get to know Jesus in a personal way. You need to get to know the God who is alive. But how can we tell that difference? It's by spending time with God. 
Okay? How do they teach bankers to, spout, to spot counterfeit money? They don't show them all the different counterfeit money. They take them to the real stuff. And they make them spend hours and hours and hours counting and feeling and examining real currency. And as they spend that time with the real currency, when they come across the fake stuff, it shows up instantly. This isn't real. They handled so much real stuff that they can spot the difference just with a touch of their finger or uh, on most of it. It just, wait a second, this doesn't feel right. This isn't right. Okay, you know what can help us avoid the, the lies of Satan is to spend time with God. Because as we spend time with the living God and know Him personally and hear His voice, suddenly the lies of this world sound hollow and shallow and are exposed for what they are. Spending time with God, the result is we're going to want to tell others about Jesus Christ. How about this? Verses 28 through 30. David goes, Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering. Come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You know what spending time in the presence of God is going to lead you to do? It's going to lead you to desire to give and to worship Him. Lord, look at all you've done for me. I surrender to you. Okay, God is worthy of much greater gifts than we can give Him. Okay? God doesn't need our money. God doesn't go, wow, look at what you gave me. That was so, I needed that so much. Does God need our help? No. Okay? But as we spend time in the presence of God, we're going to be overwhelmed with all the works that God has done. Remember His deeds. Remember His marvelous works. We're going to be, uh, uh, spend time in the promises of God. We're going to want others to know about God. And we're going to want to worship God. And one of the ways we do that is through giving. One of the ways we do that is through surrendering ourselves to Him. And it's not that God benefits from it, but we benefit from it. When we give ourselves to God, we give of the resources that He has given us. When we give our time, when we give, surrender our plans, our wishes to God and say it's yours, we're the ones who benefit. But if, you, if someone thinks about that, they go, man, that's a lot of sacrifice. That's hard. But if you spend time in the presence of God and you are impressed with the holiness of God, your heart is going to desire to do that because of all that God has done, because of the Word of God in our working in our hearts. The holiness of God requires us to sacrifice our plans and before Him, and it's, gonna, it's for our good, but we will desire to do that as we spend time in His presence. And the last verses of the psalm, verses 34 through 36... There's a prayer, Lord, help us praise you more. As you spend time in the presence of God and are overwhelmed with the holiness of God, the more you learn about God, the, more, the closer you get to God, the greater you're going to realize He is. And the more you're going to desire to praise Him. And the more you learn about Him, the more you realize how much bigger He is than you ever imagined. And you're going to desire to praise Him even more. 
And your prayer is, Lord, help me give more. Lord, help me pray more. Lord, help me tell others more. Help me to serve you more. Help me to be more faithful. The reason we often lack passion and joy in our worship, in our singing, in our prayers, in our evangelism, is because we haven't spent enough time in the presence of God. We think about God every once in a while, but we actually haven't grappled with His holiness and who He is. Grasping the holiness of God will change your Bible reading from a drudgery to a joy. Grasping the holiness of God and the power of God will change church from, if I can make it, to I can't miss church. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to hear Him speak to me. Grasping the holiness of God will give you a zeal to tell others about Jesus Christ. That is a fruit, that is a result of being in the presence of God. But aren't there times like that New Year's resolution where we're emotionally stirred and we get excited about it and then things start to go down? And then we get excited, right? We talked a little bit about the beginning. There's the ups and downs. Well, if we, we won't, for time's sake, read the rest of the chapter. Just a couple verses here. They bring the Ark of cov- uh, the Covenant to Jerusalem. They get it set up. Uh, David appointed the priest there, verse number 40, to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord upon the altar of uh, burnt, ense- burnt offering continually, morning and evening, and to do according to all that was written in the law of the Lord which he commanded Israel. And with them, Heman and Jaduthan and the rest were chosen who were expressed by name to give thanks to the Lord because His mercy endureth forever. David's praise and worship didn't stop with the day that the ark arrived in the city of Jerusalem. Okay, Rather, we see that it was continually. It, now, they didn't have the big day with all Israel gathered together but there was still a daily, according to all that was written in the word of the Lord, a daily worship, a daily sacrifice as God had commanded. There was daily praising to God. It wasn't that um, he ha- because David had truly been in the presence of God, his heart for God and his uh, understanding of the holiness of God lasted longer than just the big day. Right? There's people who show up to church Christmas and Easter. Uh, We had the community Christmas. We had a lot of people come out and some first-time visitors. But there's people who've come to the community community Christmas every year that we've done it. That's about the only time they come to church. Unless we're doing the uh, Glory Bound concert, maybe Easter, uh, maybe something like that. They'll show up for some of the big days. We're glad they're here. But we don't want our service for God to be So long as there's a big day and there's a lot of other people excited. No, no, no. It needs to be every day. It needs to be every time we open the Bible. It needs to be every church service. It needs to be every time that we are um, worshiping God. What happened? How did that happen in the life of David? Because that's what took place. They were offering the daily sacrifices, morning and evening. They were praising God for His mercy endureth forever. Every day, he spent time in the presence of God. He was confronted with the holiness of God. Those who spend time looking at the holiness of God will enjoy the presence of God. 
And those who spend time in the presence of God will be moved to praise and daily worship God. If you get to know God in a real way, and you deal with the holiness of God, God's going to change our thinking and our hearts so that we want to praise God from the heart and we want to do it a lot longer than just on the one day, but all of our life. Where does that come from? It's not from, (laughs) I need to get, no, it comes from becoming overwhelmed with who he is. And the closer we get to God, the more powerful, the more majestic, the bigger that he is to us. One story and then we're done. When I was in Bible college, I got to travel on one of the singing teams there and we got to travel the country and uh, over the summers and we were in a state and we were at a youth camp. Uh, We were out towards the west in the open areas there and and, uh, we were at a youth camp and it had been long and it had been hot. And because of the, the flat area that we were in, they had a large wind farm, uh, uh, wind turbines that were not, uh, that were, looked like it was right there. And so at the last night of camp, after all the service were over, a couple of us guys on the group said, we're going to hike up in there and we're going to go touch one of those windmills. And so about 11.30 at night, we got our flashlights and we started hiking up towards that thing. And it looked like it was right across the street, right? It it looked like it was right there. Half an hour later, we hit the barbed wire fence that was still 150 yards from this thing, right? Then we got over. When I actually got up and touched that windmill, okay, I have a pretty big wingspan. They look like they're on a pole, right? They're on a round pole and the wind turbines are going like this. It felt like I was touching a wall. I almost couldn't even feel the turn of how big that that support was, of how big that was. My arms couldn't even barely feel the turn. There were seven guys that looped, that grabbed arms and looped around this thing. That's how massive this thing was. From a distance, it looks like they're just going like this. We got underneath that thing, and there, it felt like a freight train was blowing by us at 50 miles an hour, hour every time that thing turned. It was terrifying. The closer you get to God, the more in awe you're going to be. There's often times you can look at God and say, yeah, yeah, we're right there, I'm pretty close to God. But it's when you actually try to draw close to God and you try to get a little closer that you realize, I'm a lot farther away than I thought I was. But if you can deal with the holiness of God and deal with the majesty and the judgment and the word of God, you're not going to come away... Man, that was exciting. No, you're going to come away a little bit terrified. You're going to come away a little bit. God's a whole lot bigger than I was thinking he was. And that's going to change our thinking and change our, so that it's not just going to be something, oh, that's a nice idea, but it's going to produce something that's lasting. It's going to produce something that desires to praise the Lord. It's going to produce something that changes our hearts. If you want 2024 to be different, 
If you want 2024 to be a year that you see God work in your life, draw close to God. Because the fruit of being in the presence of God is praise continually. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening. And we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you want to know us, that you want, it, you want us, Lord, to be in your presence. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us, Lord, that you would help us to spend time with you. In Jesus' name we pray. We'll take a moment, and just if the Lord has spoken to your heart, you say, Lord, help me draw closer to you. Let, if the Lord has spoken to you, let's speak back to the Lord just for a couple minutes.